Well, good morning. My name is Ben. If we have never met before, I'm the lead pastor here at CORE. And like Josh said just a few minutes ago, we could not be more excited that each and every one of you guys are here with us this morning. Regardless of if it's your 100th time here, you're joining us for the very first time, or maybe here on Sunday morning or at some point during your week, you're checking us out online. That today is an incredible day for you to be here as we embark on part three of this seven-part series Yes, I said seven-part series that we believe is the perfect start to our 2023, a series that we are calling Win the Day. And the reason that I believe that this series is the perfect start to each and every one of our 2023s is because this series directly addresses something that has held us back from becoming the people we want to become and accomplishing the things that we want to accomplish. That thing is stress. That every single one of us have endured in our lives because of our circumstances and the things that we're walking through that keep us from becoming who we believe we are being called to become. And yet, what if there were some things in this new year that we were capable of implementing into our lives, some things that we were able to change that would allow us in this year to stress less and accomplish more? That's what this series is all about. And yet if we got honest enough and looked close enough, I think what many of us would attest to is this. Is that within our lives, the most stressful moments of our lives don't typically come at the hands of difficult circumstances. While those things are most definitely stressful and things that, that we don't love to endure or walk through, what many of us would attest to if we looked close enough and got honest enough is this is that actually the most stressful parts of our lives and the most stressful part of our past are the moments we look back on in which we had dreams and goals that never came to fruition. Things that we wanted to accomplish that we find ourselves again and again and again throughout the course of our history and our time here on earth throwing in the towel on. Things that, that we wanted to do and we wanted to see happen within our family or our workplaces, our careers, our finances. And yet time and time again, those dreams, those destinies that we have for our lives have never come to fruition. And maybe the primary reason that many of our goals and dreams have never been reached is because we've all experienced the feeling of being overwhelmed by those goals and dreams. Being overwhelmed by what it takes to move me from where I am to where I want to be. That when we started and we looked off into the future at that goal or that dream and what life would look like when we reached it, that looked really incredible, and it looked like a whole lot of fun, but then we started living out the habits that we had to live out to get us from here to there, and all of a sudden, the fun just kind of like evaporated before us. It was like that goal sounded really nice on paper until about 30 seconds on the treadmill, and then it wasn't so fun anymore. And you see, the reality is, is when we get honest and we dig deep enough, Maybe it's not so much the necessary changes and habits that overwhelm us and keep us from our dreams as much as it is the thought of having to repeat those habits every single day for the next year or two or five in our lives in order for us to move from where we are to where we want to be. Thinking of having to wake up at this time every single morning for the next year or having to stay away from that food that I love every single day, every single time I get into the snack cupboard. 
thinking about having to run for this long or stop spending my money on that temptation for the next season of my life starts to feel impossible after just a few attempts, doesn't it? And maybe the key, the key to o- overcoming those things that interfere with us reaching our dreams and our destiny. And if you're a Christ follower, the dreams and the destiny that I believe God has for your future isn't so much about developing some sort of otherworldly perseverance in our lives. You see, maybe the key to us stressing less and accomplishing more actually comes from us changing our mindset to the point in which we recognize that living our lives in the best possible way isn't really about perseverance at all. What do I mean? Well, maybe us stressing less and accomplishing more begins by us becoming people who are willing to wake up every single day and ask this question. It's the big question that we've been addressing at every stop along this series. And it's this. Can I do it for a day? Can you do it for a day? And what would change in our lives and the directions in which we move with our lives towards something better in 2023 if we were capable of living our lives according to this question? That we're not worried about what happens at the end of this year, the end of this decade in our lives, but we're simply worried about today. And we began to ask questions like, is it the best thing for today? Is it the right thing for today? Is it sustainable for today? Not, am I going to be able to accomplish this tomorrow or the day after that or the day after that? But simply waking up each morning and committing ourselves to just winning the day. Just doing what we can do today. Over the last couple of weeks, my two sons have discovered something in our house, in our game closet, that has become a major pain in the behind to clean up every time they find it in the game closet. For the first time in my five and six-year-old's life, they have discovered the Domino's tin in our game closet. And so at about 6 o'clock in the morning, the boys will get up, they'll go get the Domino's tin, and they'll begin to build houses and towers out of these Domino's. And what they found to be even more fun is not they themselves building the towers, but knocking down each other's towers with the Domino's as they get them out. And one time when my youngest was playing with these dominoes and I was helping him build a tower around one of his robots, a house as he calls it, I showed him the technique of domino toppling. You all know what I'm talking about? The act of when you line up dominoes, one after the other, close enough that when you knock one over, it successively knocks the next one over, and then the next one, and then the next one, and then the next one. And this art of domino toppling is something that actually became popular in the 1970s. A gentleman by the name of Bob Specka was the first one to to find this habit or or sort of this occurrence of domino toppling to be so incredible that he popularized it to a point in which in the 1970s, domino's toppling actually became a part of the Guinness Book of World Records. And Bob Specka sent the very first world record for domino toppling at 11,111 dominoes that he set up in succession, and when he flicked the first domino, each of them fell over. And as this art of domino toppling slowly rose in popularity, mathematicians began to study domino toppling. And what they began to find was this, is that the force exerted from one two-inch standard domino, when it is toppled over, 
creates enough force to topple over a domino that is one and a half times its size. And so essentially what that means is this, is that when a standard two-inch domino is pushed over, it contains enough force to knock over a three-inch domino. And as that three-inch domino is knocked over, it creates enough force to topple over a four-and-a-half-inch domino. And what's so incredible is this, is that based upon that mathematical principle of the force that continues to multiply over time, what we find is this, is that at the flick of the first two-inch domino, by the time the 18th domino is reached, there is enough force that has been created to knock over the leaning tower of Pisa. And you're like, well, that's not fair. It only takes a two-inch domino. It's already leaning, Ben. Well, check this out. By the time you reach the 21st domino, enough energy has been exerted to topple the Washington Monument. By the 23rd domino, the Eiffel Tower would come crashing over. And by the 27th domino, the tallest building in the world, the Burj Khalifa, could be toppled behind the energy created in succession of one and a half times its toppling power. You see, the reality is, is there is this old adage that rings true in all lives, and it's this, that within all lives and the, times that, the time that we have been granted on this earth, the old adage says that you can climb a ladder of any height as long as you decide to climb that ladder one rung at a time. That within all lives, we are, accomplishing we are capable of accomplishing just about anything if we work at it hard enough, long enough, and smart enough in our lives. And this reality, that with the energy created in all lives, with our small habits, to multiply over time, that this reality for every single one of us as humanity was not lost on our Creator. It was a potential that he saw in every single one of us to accomplish far more than what we thought we were capable of accomplishing. To reach a dream and a destiny that sitting here today to many of us may seem impossible, but it happens just one rung, just one day at a time. It's something that we find our God acknowledging as he looks at humanity thousands of years ago. A humanity that ultimately was using this impact and this exertion behind bad habits to accomplish something for their own glory. But as God looked at humanity in Genesis chapter 11, this is what he concluded. For the people are united, and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. That God has created us as beings capable of accomplishing incredible things in our lives. And yet the key to us accomplishing incredible things lies in the domino effect. It's about developing little habits that produce big results over time. You see, I believe this one thing with all of my heart that has the potential to change my life, my future, your life, and your future. And it's this, that within our lives and at the beginning of our 2023s, if we began to do the little things like they're big things, it sets us up to be able to see our God do the big things like they're little things. That if we choose to just do what we can do and win the day and just do the little habits of our lives, the small things, 
like they're big things, we position ourselves to get a front row seat at seeing God do big things like they're little things. And throughout this series, we've been talking about how we move ourselves in that direction and position ourselves for that, to experience what Jesus promised us we were capable of experiencing, life and life to the full, that we have the potential to experience a rich and satisfying life on this side of death, y'all. When Jesus talked about eternity, he wasn't talking about after death. He was talking about something that started right now in every single one of our lives. And so a couple weeks ago, we talked about the power of flipping the script, and that in order for us to begin moving in a healthier direction, we had to begin to think differently. And we talked about this concept that the Cleveland Clinic recently did a study about the 60,000 thoughts that fire across the synopsis of our brain every single day. And what they found was this, that for the average human being, 80% of those thoughts are negative. We can't win the day like that. And so what would it look like for us to begin to flip the script in our thought life and our minds to begin to move us in a different direction? And then last week we talked about kissing the wave and about this concept of being willing to step out into the unknown and to dream bigger and to risk more with our lives. And today we continue by talking about eating the frog. Eating the frog by developing habits in our lives that move us in the right direction. And what I believe with all of my heart is this. I mean, if you are here for the very first time during this particular series, you could not have come on a better week. Because today, as we talk about habits, this topic, this direction that all of us are going to be challenged to move in may be the most practical thing that we will talk about through this entire series. The thing that when we leave here at 11.40 this afternoon is capable of us implementing in our lives right away in small ways that are accomplishable for our lives and for a better direction. About a century ago, one of the most famous authors of our time, a guy you may know by the name of Mark Twain, when looking at his life and how he accomplishes what he wants to accomplish with every single day, made this witty and funny statement. Mark Twain said this. Eat a live frog first thing in the morning, and nothing worse will happen to you the rest of the day. If you simply start your day by doing the difficult, unnatural things, it sets you up to experience better throughout the rest of your day. If you just do the worst thing first, you've got nowhere to go but up from here. And essentially, one of the most well-known authors of the last two centuries was saying, That if you just tackle what doesn't come natural with every single day, it will set you up for the rest of your life to experience a better direction. Do the hard thing first. Do the hard things that nobody else is doing to live a life and experience what no one else is experiencing. And you do this by developing healthy Because when we look close enough and get honest enough, what we would recognize is this, is our habits are the very thing that move us. Our habits, our daily rituals and routines, are the things that move us, either in a healthy and positive direction if we have good habits, or in a bad and unhealthy direction if we have toxic habits. Habits are the very things that make our lives easier or make our lives harder. 
Because when we choose to have the right habits with our lives, check this out. Do you realize that habits are the very thing that don't force us every day to wake up and relearn everything that we do? Because we have habits and routines, it allows us to understand what we do when we wake up tomorrow. And a Duke study shows that 45% of our daily behaviors are automatic. It's the reason why for many of us, we've encountered these scary moments in our lives, right? Where you jump in your car and you arrive at the destination and you're like, I have no idea how I got here. I don't remember making that right turn. I don't remember going through the stoplight. I hope I stopped if it was red. Because our daily routines and our habits just take over and we've driven the route so many times that we don't even have to think and we're off in la-la land thinking about something else and we just arrive at the destination. Habits put things on repeat in our lives and they move us in a direction based on whether our habits are good or our habits are bad. But because our habits are so powerful, and such a major part of our lives, it's often necessary for us to take time to reassess our habits. For us to deconstruct and reconstruct our habits with our lives. To be able to step back and to say, okay, 45% of my life has just been put on autopilot. Is it headed in the right direction? Are those autopilot things the things that I should be doing, or are they toxic things that I didn't even know I was doing that, that have become unhealthy that are now moving me in a direction that I didn't want to go in my life? That every single year we should take time to assess the habits that we have and then to make course corrections that move us in a better direction. And I know what some of y'all are thinking right now. You're like, Ben, I came to church to hear spiritual things, and what this sounds like is this sounds like a whole lot of self-help that you're about to talk about. This isn't about self-help. If you're a Christ follower, lean in for just a second. If you're not, you just get an inside view. You get off the hook. Habits are a stewardship issue. They are about making the most of the life we have been given. They are about making the most of the day and the hours that we have been given in every single day. It's about looking at our lives and making the determination that I want to do my best with the time and the resources that I've been given for the sake of of making Jesus known for the sake of putting my life on display of what it looks like to move in a healthy direction and to set an example and to be a light for a dark and hurting world, to be an example of what it looks like to live out hope in a world that so often feels hopeless. This isn't a self-help issue. Habit development is a stewardship issue in our walk with Jesus. It's about me waking up every day and saying, as Paul wrote, I work at it as if I'm working for the Lord. And everything I do, my best stewardship is about giving my very best. But if we want to eat the frog and develop great habits in our lives, we have to know what every great habit is built on. And I believe with all of my heart that there are three key things that all great habits are built on or built around. Three things that all great hopes and dreams and goals are founded upon. The first is this. 
that if we want to have and develop great habits in our lives, we have to be committed in that reassessment process that all of us are going to do as soon as we leave here at 1145 today, that in this reassessment process and creating new habits in our lives, we have to make sure that the habits and the goals and the dreams we create are measurable. 20 summers ago, that's painful to admit, y'all. 20 summers ago in 2003, it was the summer heading into my senior year of high school. I was just coming off a very successful uh, junior season of baseball, and my coaches started talking to me about the season that I had put together and the skill set that I had that I was very capable uh, of playing college baseball. And they had started having conversations with some schools, and there were some schools interested for me to get my schooling paid for to just go ahead and play baseball in my future. And just before that, I was coming off of a just okay junior season of basketball. And what some of you know is this, is that for me as a carver, basketball is in my blood. I didn't want to play college baseball. I wanted to play college basketball. And yet what I recognize is that if I wanted to take myself from where I was to where I needed to be to accomplish the goals and the dreams that I had for myself, then some of my habits needed to change. And as a 17-year-old kid, what I decided is that in order for me to accomplish those goals and set those new habits, they needed to be measurable in my life. And so what I decided was this, is that every single week throughout the summer, I was committing myself to shooting 1,500 shots out in the driveway. And this was before the time where they had the mechanisms that would automatically pass the ball back to you. It was a tedious and time-consuming process every single week. That was five days a week, 300 shots out in the driveway to develop myself, to grow myself. And yet I set a habit that was measurable, that every single week I could go to the notebook and I could see on this day and this day and this day I shot 250 shots. And in order for me to reach my goal, that means I got some making up to do that I got to work a little harder. But I could see at the end of every week, if you really want to get better, Ben, then this is the habit you got to live by. And I could see see whether I was accomplishing that or not. And the reason for that is because I know two things for certain about habits. The first is this. You can't improve what you can't measure. Hello. Y'all okay? You can't improve what you can't measure. There is absolutely no way to know whether you are progressing or reaching your goals or not if it isn't first measurable. I just want to get healthier physically is not a great goal or New Year's resolution. Why? Because that is abstract. There is no way to measure what healthy in your mind actually looks like unless you make it measurable. I want to be smarter financially in 2023. Waste of a goal. Waste of breath. Because it's not measurable. In order for us to have goals in our lives that we can shoot for, those goals, those habits have to be measurable. You can't improve what you can't measure. And you can't manage what you can't measure. If you can't measure it, you can't reassess that goal or that dream to make a determination that I need to increase this now because I'm not getting quite the results that I want to, or I need to decrease it, or I need to eliminate this altogether in order for me to reach the goal that I wanted to reach. You can't improve what you can't measure, and you can't manage what you can't measure. Great habits revolve around goals and dreams that are set up on things like 
Hang on, y'all. Timelines and deadlines. You've heard me say this before. Sometimes in our lives, the most godly thing we can do is get organized. And to begin to set some timelines and to begin to utter statements like this. I want to do X by X. I want to write a book by the time I'm 40. I want to have this by the time 2023 ends. And we set timelines and deadlines. And what that does is then within our habits, it introduces this ugly A word that is so necessary for growth. Accountability. That we now have some accountability in our lives to say either, yes, I was doing it, or no, I wasn't. And I'm the one responsible, and I'm the one to blame if I don't get there because I didn't live up to this measurable goal and this measurable habit that I set. It has to be measurable. Secondly, it has to be meaningful. Why is that so important? Because you know this as well as I. None of us do meaningless stuff for longer than we have to do. Am I right? None of us do meaningless stuff for longer than we have to. If you want to continue with something, you have to feel as if that thing has meaning attached to it. As if it has a purpose and it's actually moving you in the direction that you want to move in. And can I just give you a tip on how to create meaningful goals and habits in our lives? Our lives become meaningful when we live our lives as a means to an end isn't me. Did you catch that? My life becomes meaningful when I live my life in such a way that my life isn't a means to an end that is just about me. Let me simplify it. Our lives become meaningful when our lives aren't all about me. You want to set goals and habits that are sustainable? Make a piece of some of your goals and habits about something other than you. Even if it's, I'm doing this so that I can have more time on earth with this person. That is a goal that is about more than just you. Begin to develop habits and goals around living a more generous life and using the resources you've been granted of time or money to make a difference in this world and to make difference in other people's lives that aren't just your own and aren't just your own bottom line and aren't just your accumulation of stuff in your own house. That's where meaning begins to spring forth when all lives can be used for the betterment of other people's lives and other people's stories, where our direction actually carries people in a different direction. That if we want sustainable habits in our lives, it's always built off our habits and goals being meaningful, having purpose, and the most meaningful things are about more than just me. It has to be measurable. It has to be meaningful. And then maybe the most important one of all is it has to be maintainable. We all know this, right? But in order for us to accomplish what we want to accomplish or continue to live out those habits, it has to be maintainable over time. It has to be something that doesn't make us want to throw in the towel after day three because it just seems downright impossible and it's just too hard. That we become people who set up goals and habits around not biting off more than what we can chew. Because here's what I believe, y'all. This is so good. Consistency 
always trumps intensity. Consistency always trumps intensity. Doing things for a longer period of time and becoming consistent in doing those things is always more powerful than doing more all at once. And so in order for us to live our lives that way, we have to be able to say, I'm going to set some maintainable habits and goals. Running five miles a day probably isn't maintainable for 98% of us. Sorry, y'all. I'm in the 98%. But walking 10 minutes a day seems like a more maintainable goal to start with. And back to number one, when it's measurable, then we can reassess that maintainable goal. And we can now say, right, we all know this, I can now move that from 10 minutes a day to 15 minutes a day. Because it's a whole lot easier when we've created a habit of walking 10 minutes a day, for example, after that habit is created to now say, okay, I want to go to 12 minutes a day, or I want to go to 15 minutes a day. Once the habit of walking every single day has been created, doing a little bit of increase is a whole lot easier over time than it is with starting with a goal that is more than what we feel like we can do at the beginning. And so if we want to have great habits, we have to be willing to say, is the habit measurable? Is it meaningful? Is it maintainable? And even Jesus talks about the power of habit development in our lives. And Jesus approaches it from the inverse way. He approaches it from the perspective of if we don't develop healthy habits in our lives, we will find ourselves going in a worse direction every single day. We find him talking about this in a story we find in the book of Matthew. It's a story where a common occurrence is happening to Jesus. If you've never heard really much about Jesus, there is this common thing that happens in the three years of ministry that he does here on earth. But as he's walking through town, oftentimes he gets approached by the Pharisees. The Pharisees were simply the religious leaders of the day who found themselves absolutely hating Jesus, predominantly on about one premise. That here came this guy onto the pages of history, trying to flip upside down everything we've established. We've made religion all about rules. And all about being unattainable to the normal human being, so that we, as the religious leaders, are elevated above everybody else. And here comes this guy trying to claim that religion is actually about relationship? Here comes this guy talking about extending grace and loving people and elevating the least of these? Whoa, 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 whoa. Every time we encounter this dude, let's do our best to discredit him. Let's begin to ask him questions so that people begin to believe there is no way this dude could be the son of God and knows anything about following God. And so they ask him question after question, trying to trap him and trying to prove that there's no way this guy could be the son of God. And one such day, the Pharisees approached Jesus with this proposition. Well, once and for all, if you want to prove to everybody that you're actually the son of God, here's what you need to do, Jesus. Always a good idea to to back God into a corner. You need to perform a miracle. And then by that miracle, we'll start to believe that you are actually the Son of God. And so they go through this whole back and forth. And then Jesus gets to the very end of it. And as Jesus always does, it's like this drop-the-mic moment. Where essentially Jesus makes it clear that because of the way you're living, you're not ready for the miracle. This is what he says. Starting in verse 43, he tells this story. 
when an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert, seeking rest but finding none. Then it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds its former home empty, swept, and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. And when I hear the way in which Jesus ends this, that this person is worse off before, this question rises to the surface that maybe comes to your mind as well that we'll get to in a second. But to set the table for you, essentially what Jesus is laying out here is this. Is that there are these habits, these things living within every single one of us that move our lives in a direction that we don't want to go. And along the way, we make this determination that we're going to clean it up and we're going to make it better. And so we get our lives in order. And then one day, all these other bad habits reconvene in our lives. And then he says this thing, and they are worse off than before. And the question was like, well, I don't get it. Why are they worse off than before? And essentially, Jesus is setting the table of this. This man didn't develop and cultivate the disciplines and habits necessary to back up the divine deliverance. God can deliver you in a day, no doubt. But you have to cultivate the daily habits that keep you there and back up the miracle. When the doctor looks at you and says, God must have been looking out for you. I have no idea how you are still here after having a heart attack like that. You don't turn around the next day and cram an entire box of Oreos, right? You begin to set up different habits that back up the miracle that happened in your life. You make new habits that move you in a better direction. It's this reality that we talked about last week. If you want to see God do the super, you have to do the natural. You have to be willing to develop some habits and some disciplines in your life that keep you moving in the direction that God wants you to move, to experience the best life possible. So the question you ask is this. So Ben, how in 2023 do I realistically eat the frog? How do I develop some habits in my life that get me moving in the right direction? How do I make this easier? Let me give you three really quick. First, that in order for us to eat the frog, we partake in something that I like to call habit switching. Oftentimes in our lives, as we go through the habit reassessment, we look at our lives and we deconstruct and reconstruct some of the things that we're doing and determine, okay, these are some things that I didn't even know I was doing that aren't healthy and I want to stop doing them. Oftentimes what we believe is that the healthiest step we can take is to determine, I'm just going to stop doing that thing. And what we miss is this. This is back to Jesus' story, right? When all we do is determine, I just want to stop doing that thing, there always comes a point in all lives in which those temptations reintroduce themselves to us. And we've just stopped. We've just voided that time consumption and that part of our lives. So we've got an opening. I'm not doing anything there, so come on back in. I got an opening in my schedule. I got an opening in my habits. There's nothing taking up that time. 
When the reality is, is if we want to get healthier, we can't just stop doing the bad things. We have to replace those with good things. That we switch out our habits for unhealthy, toxic ones into healthy habits that move us in a healthier and more sustainable direction. And so we can't just turn off the bad habits. We have to be willing to switch them out. In our lives, if you're a constant negative thinker or a compulsive complainer, you can't just make a goal in 2023 that I want to stop doing those things. You make a successive goal in that, that in order for me to stop doing that, I need to replace the time that I normally take and negative thinking and compulsive complaining, and I need to switch it out with something better. And so instead of complaining when I wake up in the morning before I go to bed at night, I'm going to name some things that I have to be grateful for. I'm going to think back over my day at at the things that went well, and I'm going to start to replace the negative thoughts with positive thoughts in my life. That every single night you sit down at the exact same time with a Diet Coke and a bag of Lay's and you pound a half a bag of Lay's. That it's not enough to say, I'm just going to stop doing that at every single single night at the exact same time. No, no, no. Instead of doing that, I'm going to replace it by dusting off the treadmill and walking for 10 minutes at the time that I'd normally be cramming half the bag of Lay's. That we go through the process of habit switching in our lives. Secondly, we go through habit stacking. This is the art of taking something that is a daily routine, a daily ritual, right? Duke talked about 45% of our daily behaviors are automatic already. That we take some of those automatic things that we're already doing, and we couple it with a new habit that we want to implement into our lives that moves us in a better direction. For example, for many of us in this room, we have this daily routine that we've been doing for the last decade or two of our lives. That we wake up in the morning, and in order for us to get going, we need a shot of caffeine. And so what do we do? Every morning, we're in the habit of grabbing a cup of coffee. And we sit there, and, and we drink that cup of coffee every single day. Or we go through Starbucks before we go to work, and we grab that cup of coffee. And what if we took that daily habit in our lives with that cup of coffee and we coupled it with something, a new habit in our lives that moves us in a healthier direction? That at the same time I get my cup of coffee, I'm going to do this as well. If you follow Jesus, I'm going to grab a devotional and I'm going to read a page of it while I'm sitting there having my morning cup of coffee. For many of us, we're in the daily habit or the daily ritual of every day we have a commute to work. It might be five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, whatever it may be. But most of the time, it's just like we jump in the car, the radio's turned on, and we just mindlessly go to work. But what if we coupled that daily habit with something that moved us in a better direction, with a new habit? That we said, I want to be intentional in that five, ten, fifteen minute commute to and from work, then I'm going to listen to something that's going to move me in a better direction. And so I'm going to selectively choose my radio station. Or I'm going to pick up an audio book, and I'm going to set a goal that I want to read four books. And guess what, y'all? you don't actually have to read them. It still counts if you listen to them. So you grab some audiobooks and you listen to them 10, 20, 30 minutes every single day. Five minutes there, five minutes back. Ten minutes there, ten minutes back. And you get intentional about habit stacking in your life. And what's so cool is that Jesus actually proposed this concept of habit stacking very early on in the journey of humanity. In the book of Deuteronomy, 
we pick up very early in sort of the story of the nation of Israel. And God presents to them something that is known as the Shema. Now, if you don't know what the Shema is, the Shema is this recitation, this memorization of this one piece of Scripture that was central to our relationship with God. It was something that was habit. It was ritual in the life of every Jewish person. Two to three times every single day, they would recite the Shema. In many Jewish households, Every day before they ate their morning meal, every night before they ate their nightly meal, and then before they went to bed, they would habitually recite the Shema. And in this central daily routine or behavior, God goes to work on saying, oh yeah, with this, if you want to move your life in a better direction, this is how you live out this habit. This is how you stack habits together in order for you to remember what's most important in your life. Check this out in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. This is the Shema at the very beginning. Listen, O Israel, or maybe you've heard it here, O Israel. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. This is the most important piece of your life. This is how you fill that void in your life that nothing in this world can fill. But this is how you habit stack to put this in front of you every single day. Check this out. Repeat them again and again to your children. Every day you talk to your kids. Talk to them about this at least one time a day. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road. Every single day, you're going to travel to your job. You're going to travel to the market. When you're walking on the road, recite this as you're going. When you are going to bed and when you are getting up, most days of your life, you're going to lay down and go to sleep, and then you're going to wake up the next morning. That's a daily habit, a daily ritual. When you do this, stack it together. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as a reminder. Write them on your doorpost of your house and on your gates. You're going to walk through your doors. You're going to drive into your driveway. Have them there so that you can see them. You see, what's so incredible is God doesn't just give us commands. He couples them with daily rhythms. And lastly, Eating the frog is about habit stacking, habit switching, and then habit selecting. This is the simple one that makes it all accomplishable. Just pick one or two. Just pick one or two new habits at the beginning of 2023 and begin to implement them. That's it. Select the most important things in your life and create a habit or two around that. You see, this is what King Solomon says. As you go, step by step, I will open up the way before you. As you go, one step at a time, one small habit at a time, one day at a time. Don't bite off more than you can chew. Don't overwhelm yourself to the point you'll quit like you always have. A little focus goes a long way. Select what's most important, and then say, I just want to do one thing differently in that area this year. I want to do two things a little differently in that area, and I'm going to focus my time and my energy on doing that today. And then I'll wake up tomorrow, and I'll focus my time and my energy on doing that again. See, when it comes to the domino effect, it takes very little energy 
to flick the first domino. But by the time you've reached the 13th domino, the energy exertion and impact has multiplied over 2 billion times. And ultimately, that major impact began with just a flick. And if I could speak one thing over every single one of us, it would be this. So often we look at at the small habits that we implement into our lives as if they are inconsequential, as if they don't really mean a whole lot. And what I want you to hear this morning is simply this. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Lose the first pound. Do the first workout. Read the first chapter. Schedule the first date night with your spouse. Just start somewhere. Because what I believe with all of my heart is this. Great habits pay dividends until the day you die. What's even cooler than that? Great legacies are ultimately built on great habits. Great habits pay dividends long after you die. And it all begins with just a flick. So what's the flick that you need to make to begin your 2023 that sets you up to win the day? A flick that's measurable, meaningful, and maintainable that allows you to begin to move your life one step, one day, one small habit at a time in a better direction than what the last year or decade or two of your life has looked like. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, God, we thank you for being a God that loves us enough to promise us the possibility of living a life on this earth that could be described as rich and satisfying, that wanted us to experience life and experience it to the full, but also being a God like we saw in that passage in Deuteronomy, a God who doesn't leave us to figure it out on our own, who says these are the most important things of your life, and this is how you achieve it. This is how you reach these goals and these dreams and this destiny that I've created you for. And yet, God, what it requires of us is for us to do the natural, for us to do what we can do, to start by reassessing our habits, to switch out some bad ones for some good ones, to do what we can do, not bite off more than what we can chew. You're a God who operates with that kind of grace, who loves us enough to allow us to move one step at a time. And so, God, may we be courageous enough to do just that. To seize the day of small beginnings and to just make a flick. And when we do, we'll see the impact multiplied 
over time. It's in your name that we pray.